Support for the Source podcast comes from UT Health San Antonio, South Texas' largest academic research institution, where what is discovered in its labs translates into life-changing patient care. More at groundbreakingresearch.org. Live from the John L. Santico studio, this is The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm Kayla Padilla, in for David Martin Davies. Over 28,000 Palestinians have been killed by Israeli forces since October 7th, when Hamas killed 1,200 Israelis. An estimated 70% of those dead Palestinians are women and children. Currently, more than 1.3 million people, or more than half of Gaza's population, is seeking refuge in the city of Rafah, where Israel has begun targeting the area with airstrikes, but they have not launched a full-scale ground invasion yet. Today, we're going to talk about what these deaths mean for the future of Palestinian art, music, and culture. Joining us today is Juanis Zarud. He is the director of the Middle East Music Ensemble at the University of Chicago. He is an award-winning Palestinian-American composer, arranger, and multi-instrumentalist steeped in macum and jazz music. And Juanis, thank you so much for coming on our show today. I'm so thankful to have you here with me. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. The number to call if you have a question or comment is 833-877-8255. That's 833-TPR-TALK. You can also email us at the source at tpr.org. So, Juanis, what does the word makam mean and what kind of music does this encompass? So the word maqam is a uh, describes the music system that um, is used in most of the um, uh, uh, region in North Africa, um, uh, uh, West and Southwest Asia, um, the Arab countries, uh, Turkey, and and uh, you know other neighboring countries as well. It's a it's a, um, a widely used. Uh, musical system that actually uses microtones, which are, you know, uh, notes in between the notes, right? So they're like in between the keys of the piano that, you know, are not there on a piano, but um, they're part of the um, that musical kind of language that exists in that area. And so you were born in Ramallah uh, in the West Occupied Bank. And how long did you live there? And when did you come to the United States? Um, I was born and raised in uh, Ramallah and uh, um, I was um, kind of splitting my time in the 90s when I was in school and I officially moved uh, full-time to the United States when I was about 16 years old. And so how did you get your start in music? Are there other musicians in your family or how did that start? Yes, yes, uh, there are musicians in my family. I um, uh, uh, multiple musicians in my family. It's a musical family, and I actually started by um, uh, joining the uh, National Conservatory of Music, which is now called the Edward Said National Conservatory of Music in Ramallah, um, which now has many branches, including one in Gaza. And uh, at, at the age of uh, seven, I started um, um, learning uh, the violin. And then uh, I moved to learn more Arabic instruments, such as the buzuk and uh, and actually the Arabic style of uh, playing the violin as well. Um, and uh, so, so I got both uh, like Western classical training as well as uh, um, you know Arabic and Middle Eastern music training. 
Could you tell us a little bit more about what you teach uh, at the University of Chicago, what kind of music that you teach to these students? Sure. So the, at the, I, have a, I wear two hats at the University of Chicago. I teach an occasional course, um, which is uh, based on uh, Maqam. It's a hands-on course uh, where students bring their instruments as well or their voice. And we, we study the, the Maqam, as I said, language, the, the modes, the different um, uh, uh, melodies and repertoire that are related to that uh, system in general. So we cover... Uh, uh, Arabic music and Turkish music mainly. And uh, the orchestra, which is the Middle East Music Ensemble, is about a uh, 60-piece orchestra um, that combines both Western and Middle Eastern instruments, both students and community members. Um, And we cover um, uh, the music of of the Middle East in general, uh, mainly... Um, Arabic music, Persian music, and Turkish music. So we do three concerts, big, big concerts um, uh, every year that are uh, very, very, very well, well attended. And, um, you know, we try to also bring in elements of other uh, traditions from around the world into the music. So we do different types of arranging and we kind of try to expand the parameters of the music that we cover. And so, Juanes, you still have family and friends. We talked a little bit uh, prior to the interview. You still have family and friends in Gaza right now. I mean, what is the status of that? Have you been able to keep in touch with them, or what's going on with that? Yeah, I do have uh, family in the West Bank, and I do have friends in Gaza. Um, uh, in, uh, uh, in, In Gaza, it's been spotty communicating with them. It's, the communication has been extremely difficult. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I am in touch and, and I know, um, you know, I, I hear from them what kind of experience, harrowing experience they're going through there. Um, but yeah, it has been spotty. Um, and, uh, uh it, it's, uh, you know, with the lack of, uh, now the lack of internet and, uh, and, uh, electricity, it's very hard to get to them. What are some of the things that they've been telling you that they've been experiencing? You know, I mean, it's indescribable, really. The, their world has been turned completely upside down, and however I describe it is going to be an understatement. Um, they truly describe an apocalypse. Um, a large, 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 large portion, the majority of Gaza is completely flattened. Um there are no schools. There are, like, you know, I think there are up to 400 schools have been damaged or destroyed. Um, life as they know it is completely erased. Um, many of them are, you know, being crowded in, like, very small apartments with other families. Um, uh, lack of water, very difficult to find food. Um, uh, they're seeing people that they know and they've worked with in, in like nylon tents outside, literally sleeping on the street. Um, so, and and you know, obviously the the, the sheer amount of um, the death and injury and destruction that they've been witnessing has been truly harrowing. They're truly traumatized. And what have you heard about? Uh, have you heard anything about your hometown? Or I mean, is it is this somewhere where you're not going to be able to? You know, you're going to go back and you're not going to be able to recognize it. Well, my hometown is uh, Ramallah, which is not in uh, in uh, Gaza, where most of the 
you know, um, uh, destruction is taking place. Um, Ramallah is, um, uh, you know, uh, being uh, uh, um, invaded uh, almost on a daily basis by Israeli soldiers. They're arresting people. They're um, uh, yeah, there, there are a lot of uh, uh, killings that are taking place, but um, there hasn't been as much destruction, obviously, in, in, in the West Bank as it has been in, uh, in Gaza. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and take a break right here. When we get back, we'll talk more about Juanis and his music. And for more comprehensive coverage, you can visit npr.org. Uh, The number to call if you have a question or comment is 833-877-8255. That's 833-TPR-TALK. You can also email us at thesource at tpr.org. This is The Source on Texas Public Radio, and we'll be right back. Support for TPR comes from the Lawton family of restaurants, Cappy's, Cappuccino's, Mama's Cafe, La Fonda on Main, and Jingu House, located in San Antonio. Their diverse menus and hours can be viewed at LawtonRestaurants.com. Welcome back to The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm Kayla Padilla. We're talking about the 28,000-plus Palestinians who have been killed by Israel and the threat this poses to the preservation of Palestinian music and culture. Today, we're talking about the preservation of this music with the director of the Middle East Music Ensemble at the University of Chicago, Juanes Zarur. He was born in Ramallah, and here he is today with us to talk about music. But first, Juanes, I wanted to play this one song that you told me about when we talked. It's called Salute to Gaza. So let's go ahead and listen to a couple minutes of it.
that was Salute to Gaza. And one is, what is this song saying and conveying to the listener? Well, the words are, um, and I wish uh, that we could see the video on radio, but... That, yeah, me but, too. It's a know, really great to, video. But I want you to imagine, uh, this was shot on a pier in, um, in Gaza uh, with um, a, a large number of musicians. And uh, you could see different shots on this pier and the beautiful seas in the background. And there's a, a conductor who's a friend of mine, Anas Najjar, wonderful, wonderful musician in Gaza, um, and uh, and there's kind of drone footage so that they go above the band and you see kind of the, the pier from very far away, from far up. Um, it's it's just a, such a beautiful video. Um, it's uh, the, the words say, it's, and it sounds kind of like a patriotic uh, tune in a way, mm-hmm. a little marchy there, but it's uh, um, it was composed by um, the director, the executive director um, of the Edward Said National Conservatory of Music, Suhail Khouri. And he's a, an important figure in, uh, in, um, in, in Palestine because he established this uh, uh, conservatory um, and, uh, and created a, um, the infrastructure for a, an, an amazing music scene. Um, and uh, uh, and he, in his past, was a, a choir director who who went from home to home picking up uh, kids uh, to to take them to choir um, um, lessons, and they did concerts in the first uh, uprising or intifada. So it was he's he's a very important figure in Palestinian kind of memory. Um, uh, salute to Gaza. It's the the song says salute to Gaza, um, salute to all the sad eyes, uh, their tears flood with desperation and pride. So um, sad, um, uh, you know, despite the uh, kind of optimistic sounding um, music Mm -hmm. behind it, which is, uh, yeah. And so what was your involvement in putting this production together? I was not uh, involved in this. um, It was your friend that was involved. And what... Go ahead. Well, I was going to ask uh, what your... The friend that you knew that was part of this uh where what are they up to now what are they doing are they still in gaza well i i don't um i i i don't know their exact location right now um but i have been in touch with them and so far him his wife and kids are uh, are safe they 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 managed to stay safe during this um he's uh um uh, anas najjar is Kanun player, uh, which is a an instrument that that's kind of like a zither, and it gets plucked with the fingers, and um, um, really, really beautiful instrument. And uh, he's uh, also a composer, um, wonderful uh, arranger, and and director of a lot of different um, musical projects in Gaza. He's one of the really active people in Gaza, and he he's maintained a wonderful scene there. Um, you know, in between wars, obviously. And so, like you said earlier, uh, this song was made possible. It was produced by the Edward Said National Conservatory of Music. And could you just spend a little more time telling us more about Edward Said and why he was he's so important to the Palestinian people historically and also today? Well, Edward Said, uh, uh, I think his his um, 
importance in in um, for to Palestinians and to um, people who support the Palestinian cause um, is that he uh, was one of uh, the few uh, people when he he started who spoke extremely eloquently about the Palestinian um, cause and um, and and Palestinian history and described the situation um, extremely accurately to the um, uh, to the in in an academic setting and to the Western world. So um, he's published a number of books on the topic, um, and so so he is a, a, a very important figure and a very important author. He was um, a professor at Columbia University in New York. Um, and uh, his name um, uh, was added to the National Conservatory of Music um, as a, a tribute to him after, um, after he passed. Um, so think... just uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, just to show his uh, his importance in Palestinian society. Well, do you think he influenced you and your own work and kind of your, um, you know, your work in trying to preserve this Middle Eastern music and trying to transcend these borders that exist. Yes, of course. I mean, uh, the the ideas that I... Uh, um, uh, and, and, you know, he's obviously not the only uh, author that we are influenced with. We are, um, you know, as a, uh, you know, multiple generations of uh, musicians that have uh, um, been working uh, at least since 1948. Um, understand fully uh, the connection of our music and our uh, to our culture and uh, to the Palestinian identity and to the land. Um, you know, our our music is uh, uh, connected to our um, uh, roots in in, uh, in in Palestine. They're connected to the professions that Palestinians um, occupied. Uh, historically, like uh, farming, like cultivating land, like fishing, and also their um, uh, stature in the kind of wider Arabic classical music, um, and uh, and their uh, um, uh, contributions to kind of the golden age of Arabic music in the in the uh, 1930s, and when uh, radio came to to the area, um, Palestine was one of the first uh, places to to really um, uh, um, bring it to life and uh, and uh, um, bring music to it in a in a very very significant way. Well, I kind of I want to touch upon something that you said. Uh, you were talking about historically, uh, historically the preservation of music, and uh, what are some of the ways that Palestinian music or culture has historically tried to uh, has been threatened in a way or has. Uh, you know, been threatened to be erased or eradicated. What are some of the ways that? What are some of the challenges that have uh, that you faced that you've seen when it comes to the preservation of this music? Yeah, well, you know, um, there's, uh, you know, there are there are two um, kind of um, important issues here. One of them is kind of a systematic um, um, erasure. Uh, that's taking place um, of our uh, culture and of um, our connection to the land and anything that kind of uh, brings that to light. And uh, uh, and the other kind of side to this is the fact that 
music in Palestine is uh, um, um, and and the expression of arts in general is two things. First of all, one, it's constantly, constantly disrupted um, by um, uh, un, um, unheard of violence, right? So um, there are um, uh, these uh, um, things that always kind of set the 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 arts back when when survival becomes the most important thing um um to to attain that's one thing um the other thing is really um how do we um we we're always thinking about how to um maintain uh these the, this language that existed this musical language that existed in in historic palestine and um um and continue to develop it and continue to Add to it, um, uh, both in the folklore, um, on the folklore side of uh, music, um, and uh, that that's more connected to kind of uh, land cultivation and fishing, for example, and uh, the classical uh, kind of side of things. That um, um, you know, we have uh, Palestinian composers, both uh, historic and, and contemporary, and uh, it's very very difficult for them, especially the ones who live inside of uh, Palestine. Uh, to be able to bring their music to the world, uh, given the um, restrictions and the um, and the uh, disruptions that are taking place um, um, every day. What are some of those restrictions that you just mentioned? Um, and obviously, we kind of know the the disruptions, which is you know the, the airstrikes, the bombs, uh, just killing. We know what those are. But what are some some of those restrictions that you just talked about? Uh, the difficulty of travel, the difficulty of movement from one uh, uh, town to another, from one city to another. The, in Gaza, for example, the difficulty of getting music equipment. It's so difficult to even get studio equipment. They were just, uh, you know, trying to collect anything to build a, a studio that works. It's uh, there is a siege uh, that's been, you know, ongoing for uh, uh, 15, 16 years. Um, so access to um, uh, uh, you know, different parts of the world, uh, uh, ac- you know, access to, for example, um, uh, 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 you know, West Bank uh, musicians do not have access to musicians in Gaza. Musicians in Gaza do not have access to essentially the rest of the world. So um, a lot of what we're doing, I've participated in a project with the musicians in Gaza, and we did all of it online, essentially, and we were, um, and that's kind of the only way to do it. So, um Yes, there's the there's a, there are these restrictions and um, and uh, obviously you know like we said the the, the fact that um, uh, there are disruptions there are there's constant uh, um, uh, death destruction that that happens uh, in uh, um, in waves sometimes and sometimes like what's happening in Gaza now. Right. And we'll talk more about that when we get back from the break. Um, So let's take a break right here. And you can call in with your questions or comments for Juanis at 833-877-8255. That's 833-TPR-TALK. You can also email us at thesource at tpr.org. This is The Source on Texas Public Radio, and we'll be right back.
I'm Tanya Mosley. And I'm Juana Summers. People collect all sorts of things. Sports memorabilia, stamps and antique lamps. If you've collected a few classic cars over the years and you also love public radio, consider this. Donate it to this station and it could mean hundreds of dollars in support. Donate online at tpr.careasy.org or call 877-486-1227. Welcome back to The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm Kayla Padilla, in for David Martin Davies. We're talking about the preservation of music in Palestine with the director of the East Music, the Middle Eastern Music Ensemble at the University of Chicago, Juanes Zarur. And uh, Juanes, I wanted to ask you, so before the break, we talked about some of the challenges that musicians in these occupied areas face. And so, and it's not, I feel like challenge is an understatement. I mean, it's like some of the most horrifying things that come out of there. And how has this cycling of death and bombardment over the decades, how has that influenced the kind of music that comes out of that area? Sure. It's, uh, you know, uh, I think just in any um, kind of other uh, case when uh, um, uh, atrocities happen and when when a people um, experiences um, uh, something like uh, what the Palestinians are experiencing right now, um, a lot of the music will tend to be more uh, closely related to what happened in in kind of the recent um, past or currently. Of course, you know, um, until people start feeling some sense of hope, uh, which is, you know, in in, in this case, I mean, when 15 people, six of whom are children, are getting killed on on an hourly basis in Gaza, essentially, when people start seeing a light at the end of the tunnel again is when they start kind of expanding on the, um, you know, other topics uh, and making music that's, you know, unrelated to this. Um, But, you know, again, you know, you're talking about music is a very creative process and it's a deeply, deeply human um, process. Um, Requires a lot of imagination and uh, and and making it um, after uh, 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 during and after a trauma like this um, is uh, is extremely um, uh, a, a, an extremely difficult process. So um, I you know ju- and and this has been happening obviously on and off this is one of the most you know, i mean this is the the, the 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 most severe it's ever been but mm-hmm. um every time one of uh, these things happen um you know every two three four years um uh and uh, and uh, palestinians are um you know mass murdered and 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 or or bombed or you know schools have closed or, or, you know, everything that comes with that, there's, um, a reset, mm-hmm. um, a massive reset. And, and, uh, it's, there's a starting over, um, and there's a rebuilding and, and all of that takes a toll on, on how music is made and, and, uh, where it goes. I mean, you can't really separate, it's very hard to separate the, the, 
expression of Palestinians from what they're enduring. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I can't even, I think in some of the musicians that we'll talk about also coming up, um, they use this music to express what they've seen, what they've been through. And we'll talk a little bit more about, I want to talk about this Lebanese artist, Fidus and her mm. uh, connection to Palestine. But first, I want to go ahead and go to a caller. We have Virginia on the line. And Virginia, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yes, thank you. I really appreciate your guest and what he's presenting today. And I wonder if he's familiar with the documentary called Knowledge is the Beginning. It's about uh, the West Eastern Devon Orchestra, which gave a concert in Ramallah. Um, it was young musicians from all over the Middle East, and it was sponsored. It was organized by Edward Said and Daniel Barenboim. Um, the concert uh, involved a lot of logistical problems getting approval from all the countries. It's young musicians, mostly teenagers from all over the Middle East, who were gathered together and taken by bus um, into Ramallah and gave a concert. And the documentary was very inspiring. I wonder if your guest is familiar with it or if he had anything to do with it. All right. Well, Virginia, thank you so much uh, for your call. I really appreciate that comment. And Juanes, do you want to respond to that? Thank you for your question, Virginia. Unfortunately, I'm not um, uh, aware of the documentary. I've heard of uh, this project. I was much younger when um, it took place. So, um, but I do, I do remember that happening. Yes. And so, uh, Juanes, what was your experience like uh, growing up in Ramallah as a musician? Because we we talked about some of the challenges that other musicians face, and I'm curious, what was your own experience growing up? Um, did you have any experience with Israeli forces, stuff like that? Uh, as it relates to music, I mean, I was, so I was a... Um, uh, for the most part, when I was in Ramallah, I was a child, um, and uh, I uh, attended the conservatory, the Edward Said National Conservatory there. Um, the, you know, uh, we've, I've seen, obviously, I've uh, experienced uh, um, a few times when, especially in the what's called the Second Intifada in, uh, in the early 2000s, uh, when things, uh, you know, completely shut down and there was bombing in Ramallah and. Um, 
and I'm in touch with a lot of them right now, and I still work with uh, uh, these uh, musicians and very, very, very close friends um, from the conservatory. They, some of them are here in the United States as well. Um, and, uh, you know, so we got a robust uh, musical education despite the, um, you know, the challenges. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you about this Lebanese musician. She's very famous. I mean, she's kind of like the face of Lebanon. Her name is Fairouz. Um, yes. And her music is just, it's like poetry. It is poetry, essentially. It's very beautiful. It's in Arabic. It's, uh, she writes a lot about war, about love. Um, and could you, she was born in Lebanon, like I said earlier, and could you talk more about how she's been so important um, to Palestinians? And we talked a little bit, you said she has a Palestinian connection. Yes, so so, so Fairuz is, um, uh, like you said, one of the most, most important singers in, in, uh, in kind of the Arabic region. Um, of the entire 20th and 21st century. So um, mm-hmm. she, she, first of all, she's uh, um, uh, thankfully, um, uh, she's had uh, longevity and uh, she's been around for a long time um, and uh, has recorded thousands of, uh, of songs. Um, uh, a lot of songs related, just like in everywhere else in the Arabic world, uh, uh, a lot of songs that resonate with the Palestinian cause. Um, there are some songs that are, um, in fact, important to the Palestinian cause, uh, one in particular called uh, Zahrat al-Madan, or the Flower of Cities, and talks about Jerusalem. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's, uh, she is, she is, very, very well listened to. She's the kind of in on Palestinian radio. She's the um, uh, the choice um, uh, that gets played in the mornings. So um, the entire morning period when you're uh, commuting to work, you if you turn mm-hmm. on the radio, you'll be listening to Fairuz. Um, there's a deep connection there. Um, another thing that people might not know about um, uh, Fairuz is there's a, um, a, a a, a, a very important uh, Palestinian composer and uh, vocalist of classical Arabic music named Muhammad Ghazi, who was in Palestine and was a, um, a key uh, figure in Palestinian music during the 30s when uh, the radio stations were um, uh, established. There were two main radio stations, one in Jerusalem and one in Jaffa. Um, and he was, uh, you know, every uh, um, uh, radio station had its own band, um, and he was a very, very important key player in uh, in, in kind of shaping the music that was uh, um, played in the Palestinian music scene and in the uh, radio there. And uh, in 1948, he was uh, expelled and ended up uh, moving around as a refugee until he ended up in Lebanon. And he was one of the first people who... Trained Fairuz on how to uh, sing the uh, um, the musical form, which is basically a musical form that uh, um, is based on uh, uh, Andalusian music during um, during the um, period when uh, there was Islamic rule in the Iberian Peninsula. Mm-hmm. 
wow. very very complicated musical form and he he's the one who trained her on how to uh, perform it I didn't know about that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's really interesting. I had no idea about that. Uh, when we get back from the break, we could talk more about that. Uh, this is The Source on Texas Public Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm Kayla Padilla. We're talking to Juanes Zarur. He is the director of the Middle East Music Ensemble at the University of Chicago. And Juanes, before we get back to our interview, I want to play another song that you shared with me. It's a folkloric medley, and let's go ahead and listen to that. want to say that I really liked the music video for this song because there was this one kid who was just smiling the entire time throughout. It was really, it was a really sweet video. Um, but Juanes, what are the instruments that are used in this song? So all of this is a bunch of the same instrument. Um, this is, uh, I, I, again, I wish, I wish I can show you uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> And show the listeners, but you know, I think you can find it on on YouTube if you if you look for it. And we'll we'll um, link it in our web post so that way our listeners can find it. Wonderful, yeah, it's really amazing. Again, this is again Anas Najjar, who is a kanun player, and the wonderful director who did the previous video. And, I'm, and 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 a lot of the videos I shared with you today kind of center Gaza and Gazan musicians. Um, this is shot in Gaza. These are all um, um, kanun players kanun is that instrument that we talked about which is you know, it's it's like it sits on your lap and it has 77 strings mm-hmm. and it's plucked using little plectrums that you um attach to your finger using a ring and uh um uh and it's very hard to tune <laughs> but um uh these are I, I i don't know the exact number but there were a lot of there are a lot of 
Kanun players and that, both Kanun players and Kanun uh, students. And uh, all of this, uh, you know, in, in addition to percussion, it's all Kanun players who also sing at the same time as they're playing. So, um, and, and this is a, a folkloric medley. So this is all Palestinian folk music that they put together in one kind of uh, video, um, transitioning from one to another. Um, uh, of course, you know, I, it's hard to imagine. I don't know um, how any of these people are doing now. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm in touch with only one or two of, of, of this group, and um, um, I don't know how the rest are doing. Are they, um, are they safe? Um, are yeah. they, are they, you know? So that's 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 always the challenge with watching these videos. It's just you just look at their faces and their smiles, and you don't know um, mm-hmm. how they are and where they are. Well, um, Juan Escay just say that that actually was gonna. You know, I was trying to figure out how to bring that up without um, just trying to figure out the right way to bring that up. But you, what you just said, I was that was exactly what I was thinking as I was watching this. And, you know, yeah. when you watch documentaries about uh, Gaza, when you watch videos from even a week ago that include children, these people. Um, and even today, this morning, as I was watching these music videos, it was like really a beautiful experience to see them play this music and you know it's so beautiful but then but then there's that thought of where are these children today are they still with us are they still here are they safe what are they what what did their lives turn out to be and that's kind of the the challenge of you know i'm so thankful that this video exists because it's documentation of this music and of the people but at the same time you can't help but wonder, are these children still alive today? And I think, I mean, you would agree that that's kind of the struggle with these these videos, as beautiful is, as they are. As beautiful as they are. And, and uh, sometimes we normalize um, uh, uh, the, the um, images that come from Gaza without, you know, because we don't, um, a lot of us, haven't seen what Gaza's like. Um, so videos like this kind of combat the dehumanization of Palestinians and, and making feel like as if this is normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's an important part of this. Our, you know, I, I wonder, you know, every every time I drink a glass of water, I wonder if, you know, like how are people being able to, you know, drink water? Where are they finding water? They're not. So, um, and and these images and these videos always come to mind. And so, could you elaborate a little bit more on what you were just talking about, about how this has changed uh, your life? Obviously, this is not something that's new to you, but since October 7th, how has your life changed, like your productivity? I imagine it's hard to try to carry on with your life knowing what's happening in Gaza, knowing um, that you have family members that are exposed to this level of violence. Uh, How has your life changed since October 7th? Well, you know, um, it's uh, it's really, really, really challenging to, to do anything these days, really, because you're just constantly following um what's happening and worried 
and uh, and uh, trying to um, kind of find where there could be hope. A lot of days are truly hopeless, you know. Survival, uh, survivor's guilt is a is a real thing, and uh, um, you know also it's in in daily life again because we you know I'm a I'm a Palestinian American. I lived in Palestine. I know these people. Um, it's really hard to um, have a meal when I know that they're not, and it's hard to drink clean water when I know they don't have it. And it's hard to, to even, you know, sleep comfortably when I know they're not, um, and and they're facing just horrors um, on an hourly basis, on a daily basis. They don't know what's going to happen tomorrow um, to them. So so it's it's tough to, it's it's impossible really to disconnect um, from that reality, um, and. You know, it's uh, it. We just want it to stop. Um, music has been also. It's it's it's. Uh, I find it more difficult to do musical activities that do not speak to this in one in one way or another. These be- become much more difficult because I want to um, be able to. Uh, uh, if I want to make music, it has to somehow address this issue, especially here in the United States. Yeah, I mean, I think what you do is so important. And you talked about it earlier when you said that it's almost impossible to live through, to grow up there, to live through that experience and then have it not impact the music that you make and the music that you compose. and so what are some of like the projects that you're working on or what are some of the ways that both you and other people here in the United States have worked to keep this music alive despite the ongoing uh, killings of these Palestinians? Yeah, you know, first and foremost, I think we have done and, and are still working on doing um, uh, concerts that fundraise for humanitarian um, uh, aid. Uh, especially medical. Um, I am also the co-director of the Chicago Immigrant Orchestra, um, and I work with a wonderful Arabic ensemble um, uh, named Maqam. Um, um, and and we've uh, um, Chicago Maqam, sorry. And we've we've you know all of essentially all of my projects have done some sort of a fundraiser for for humanitarian aid in Gaza. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from that, it's it's uh, um, talking um, about it uh, on 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 the platforms that I can have access to. Um, we've done an event in Houston recently um, that uh, that it's like a it's a listening party called Listening While Muslim, um, and they uh, it it was themed um, um, uh, it had a Palestine theme. And uh, uh, me and a wonderful ethnomusicologist uh, named Serena Rasul and uh, the, the two presenters who are um, Asad Jafri and um, A.R. Malik, um, wonderful, wonderful uh, presenters. Uh, we did a whole presentation that was uh, about an hour and a half long that talked about uh, Palestinian music and we did a lot of listening together and it was a really um, uh, uh, 
healing experience for the community. I'm trying to also focus more internally on our community and uh, use what, um, you know, our uh, uh, platforms and, and music in general to provide a healing mm-hmm. space because I know that what I'm experiencing, there are a lot uh, who are experiencing the same here in, in our communities in the United States. Well, Juanis, I just want to thank you so much for coming on our show today. I really appreciated it. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Kayla. It was great being with you. Juanis Zarud is the director of the Middle East Music Ensemble at the University of Chicago. This has been The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm Kayla Padilla. Thank you so much for listening. This has been The Source on Texas Public Radio. The Source is hosted and produced by David Martin Davies. Kayla Padilla is our booking and engagement producer. Engineering support from Ruben Garcia, Jesse Reeves, and Steve Short. Dan Katz is TPR's Vice President of News. The Source is made possible with support from the Gladys and Ralph Lazarus Foundation.